Good evening, time being 7 o'clock, I call the February 15th, 2023 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, from the chair all citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast channel 11 and Verizon channel 29 in an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone where you may click the zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 929-205-6099. And the Zoom ID is 880-5505-1868. Then you need to hit the pound sign. Once again, the Zoom ID is 880 Five five zero five one eight six eight pound. If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Uh, Councilor Plagri will not be in attendance tonight. Uh, she's a little under the weather, uh, and we hope she's feeling better very soon. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks, appropriate consideration, and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda. Seeing none, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Okay, moving on. Approval of minutes. I'd entertain a motion to approve the minutes from February 1st, 2023. So moved. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Additions, deletions. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion. All those in favor signify by saying <coughs> aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Uh, proclamations and recognitions. We have none this evening. Uh, no appointments this evening. We do have one public hearing, and I would declare the uh, street acceptance public hearing for Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane. Oak Tree Lane. I declare that public hearing open. Since this is a public hearing, I will go to the uh, public first. 
Uh, Jamie, you want to give a pre brief overview? Sure. Uh, so through you, Mr. Chairman, through you, the council, and everybody uh, watching from home, um, this is part of uh, the next two roads on our consistent objective uh, to accept uh, all the private ways in town. Um, so before the council tonight is Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane, uh, both of which are small uh, roadways off the off Maple Street. Um, and essentially, uh, the planning board has approved both of these, uh, along with the town attorney and the town engineer. Mike Maglio is here tonight to answer any specific questions people may have. But ultimately, the effect of this is now they become pro uh, public roads. Um, we get added to the Chapter 90 inventory. The town is now responsible for maintaining and improving those. And as we know with many other roads, um, patience uh, will be required because to rebuild some of these roads uh, can take an awful lot of money and an awful lot of time. But we can't even get in there to rebuild anything if we don't accept them first. Mm -hmm. And obviously, we're not going to get rich off the Chapter 90 allotment. Uh, but every little bit helps Brutus and the team at the DPW. So, um, you know, I just want to thank Mark uh, Sorrell in particular and Mike Maglio who really do this, uh, the majority of this work. Um, and we just try to check off every street, a couple few a year. Um, it's kind of like lot line changes. <laughs> you know, we just keep trying to plug away at the backlog. So at least we got two more done. And this will bring our total, by the way, Mr. Chairman, this year um, to, I believe, five or six streets accepted. So that's pretty good. Yeah, it is for sure. Okay, I will go to the, since it's a public hearing, I will go to the audience first. Is there anyone in council chambers uh, that would like to speak on the street acceptance of Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane? Is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on uh, this public hearing for Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane? <coughs> Seeing none, I'll go to the council. Councilor Frangillo. Why, why, why do we, will we make the money back needed to maintain the road through the additional Chapter 90 money or through the tax money that we get from them? I'm fairly confident, I am very confident that the answer is no. That we will never make back the money that it costs to maintain these roads. These are current roads that, these roads are not used by anyone else. They're, they exist only to serve uh, those few houses, and those homes will never contribute enough in taxes to pay for the maintenance of the very roads that they sit on. Every time we do this, we add hundreds of thousands to our future liabilities for a generation to come. Why do we keep doing this, and when does it stop? You're correct, Councilor Frangillo. It's unlikely that the amount of Chapter 90 money that um, that we would bring in would pay for the reconstruction of the road. So if you live on that road, legally the town does not require by law to plow that road, to maintain that road, or provide services to that road. I think this is in that thorny doldrum um, of really the fact that when most people buy their home, 
unless it's explicitly straightforward, and that's more of a modernized thing over the last 10, 15, 20 years, unless you really read your deed and you understand you live on a private way, the overall general assumption is, is that the town is going to maintain and plow and do what it needs to do on that road. Road work and public infrastructure are probably the bread and butter of what we do as an organization and as a government. Um, certainly we do other things as well. Um, I guess it, if the council does want to prohibit or stop or cease or slow down uh, the town's efforts to do um, public acceptances, that's certainly within the council's discretion. Um, it's been traditional practice in the past to kind of chip away at these and the council's funded a nominal amount of capital money every year to pay for some of the legal costs, <coughs> engineering costs to get those roads up to code. But for the citizens on those streets, um, I can't recall a time, it probably has happened, but I can't recall a time where people came out to oppose public acceptance of a street. Some streets in town are well known to be private ways. Developers still own those roads. Um, and sometimes the citizens are generally very unhappy when a developer owns a road and they realize the developer is not willing to maintain the road. They come to us and we're kind of caught in a legal pickle of not being able to do anything because a developer may own a road. You know, you know, um, and so it's, it's, it's always just difficult, you know? And so it's certainly within the council's uh, jurisdiction to uh, instruct the staff to slow this stuff down. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Jamie actually took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, when I moved to my street, I just would have assumed that the town was gonna plow it and do everything. And um, can I just ask you, these ro both those roads have to be, what, 30 years old? 31. It's 31 years old. Thank you. All right. I mean, so we've haven't had to do anything. We've gotten a bargain for 31 years. And I, I just think that as townspeople, I think they just expect that we will take care of their roads, plow them, make sure that the catch basins are clean, all that stuff. So that, that's just my two cents. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Sheridan. So this uh, chair for you. Put a clarification. These are different than, like you see down the Cape, a place like this is private way. These are business. Students here. Oh, Bruce wants to. Aim for go it. ahead, Bruce. Why not let Bruce go? I just, I just want to add, uh, Mr. Chairman, that uh, Bruce Kennedy, DPW Director. I, it's really important to understand with these roads. It, it goes back to the intent of this road. When the developer came in here, he went through the planning board process that these roads were going to be accepted as a public right of way. <clears throat> Somewhere along the line, they weren't. Who knows why they weren't accepted? The developer didn't finish it up. That's why there was, we, you know, it's public works. Now they come in through the plane where we hold bonding money. So this doesn't happen again. But these words were always intended to be public right of Sometimes developers come in and say, hey, I want to be a private way. And we're not trying to take over private ways, even though we get those calls sometimes. Right. These are intended to be a public right of So if you want to start changing that, I think that's where you'd have to look through the zoning. You'd have to talk about the policy of the town and how they're going to do it going forward. It's going to be a new subdivision that, hey, maybe we'll be a private way. So, um, and the other thing that goes along with a lot of new roads now, the planning board, especially with uh, stormwater, they put that in as a separate type thing so that the town doesn't get the burden on that. 
So there could be different things associated with that. You can choose, okay, we'll take care of the road, but you're gonna plow, or whatever it might be. But that's policy of the time. Thank you. Thank you, Bruce. Attorney Sorrell. To dovetail on what uh, Brutus just said, when they come into the planning board, the developer comes in, it's contemplated that it will be a public road, and that's why it's built to certain minimum town standards. If it's going to be a private road, and everybody knows that up front, then typically the planning will, will require the developer to set up a homeowners association to ensure that the road is properly maintained. Right. Otherwise, you get a worst case scenario, 20, 30 years out, the road is deteriorated, the town cannot act, cannot do any work on it because the law requires you to own the road before you do work. The people, the abutters don't have the money, you know, the wherewithal to do it, and again, assume that the town is going to do it. Thank you, Attorney Sorrell. Councilor Sheridan, you're all set. Councilor DeLarco. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I mean, I, I, I kind of get what he's saying, but also I, I agree with Councilor Chandler. These, these residents have been paying taxes for 31 years. Um, I think it's our obligation to, to help them out and make sure that their, their roads are right so the police and the fight can get down there in case somebody has gets injured or something like that. Um, I, I just think it's, it's I, I know we're going we're gonna to eat it, but we're been eating it for many years, and uh, it's fine by me. I mean, they deserve it, in my eyes. Councilor Cornell Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So, this is just sort of a question, I guess, to the TA area, but to Brutus. Are we currently not serving these roads? Like, the plows don't go down them, trash doesn't go down them, recycle doesn't go down them, like what? Or is this simply a matter of we do those services because the right thing to do and we want to make them public ways so we can try to take advantage of some additional chapter 90 money. So the council through the years, as far as like snow removal, once there's two properties that are there and the road is complete, they can petition the town to plow it. So we always plow the roads just because it's a public safety. Sure. Then we can also go out and we do fill the potholes here and there. But we've since I've been here, like sometimes the drainage structures have failed. <laughs> can't do anything um, but we do the we do the public safety type thing is uh, as far as trash and recycle goes we go down private ways we'll, we'll, we'll pick up your trash for you good every good. Mm. so that so they're, good right that's that's great to hear because I think as my other counselors have said that's what that's what people deserve living here in town so there's no difference in the taxes that these people are currently paying than what other people pay on a publicly accepted road that's correct so it's not like they've been getting a break for all this time. They've been paying the same as everybody else. That's correct. Okay. So it seems like a no-brainer to me. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cornell Ledger. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think most of it's already been said. Honestly, I think Councilor Cornell Ledger just probably said it the best. It's a no-brainer. Um, we have, for as long as I can remember, dating back over the years, for any time a public, a private way has come across our plate regards to making it public. We've, already, we've always agreed to do it. We've already, we're already supplying the services to those roads. The citizens on those streets are taxpayer citizens. They deserve as many rights as anyone else in this town. And we are obliged as a council to meet their needs. It's just that simple. And we have never turned down a request that's come before us. I feel the need that we should start now. 
in regards to what the expense might be in the future, well, I don't know what's going to be the expense for, for anything in the future. We can't, at this moment, we have an issue that needs to be resolved. <clears throat> it should be taken upon us to resolve that issue. And I am strongly in support of taking acceptance of it. Thank you, Councillor Jones. Councillor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I just wanted to say that for me, it's the intent, it was what um, Brutus said, uh, where the intent that this was built on was that it would, they would become public roads, that we would take them on, and so the developer built them with the specifications that we would take them on. And I think, um, and that's, to me, that means we just do what we said we were gonna do. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamblin. Councilor Frangelo. Yeah, I think that the best point is if there was some uh, promise or some expectation. But when we say that uh, for all these years, we've just always accepted them, what I hear is that for all these years, we've chosen to indebt future generations for liabilities that we'll never be able to afford and further add to our expenses. Just looking at the cost per mile to maintain a road, assuming that a road lasts you know, the current 30, 35 years, $375,000 to maintain this 0 0.3 uh, miles over its lifetime. Annual contributions uh, needed to cover that over the 30 years, $12,500. Annual contributions from the 19 homes that this is servicing. Again, no one else, it's not a cut through. It's not a road that you'll just go down on your own. So it's just servicing these 19. Annually, they contribute a total of a thousand toward our DPW road and, and highway maintenance. That is a eleven thousand dollar shortfall every single year over the span of its first lifetime. That's a three hundred forty thousand dollar shortfall that are on everyone else to now pay for that. When we multiply that over the hundreds of miles in Franklin, all we're doing is saying that it's not a problem that we want to deal with now, it's a problem that 30 years they can deal with. And the more that we do that, the more that we're just setting ourselves up to fail. I hope that we reconsider the system um, moving forward and that we do seriously evaluate um, our ability to continue to take on uh, private roads that we can't maintain. Again, I only talked about the road maintenance costs. We're also taking on the sewage um, and uh, the, the other utilities, uh, all of which will, will fall short of, of paying itself. Um, we, we can't just you know turn a blind eye uh, to these expenses. Thanks. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. And is there any other comments from the council? Uh, the only comments I'll make is, first and foremost, I think, to uh, Brutus's point, uh, and I agree with, uh, there was an expectation and there were requirements that were set forth. If, in fact, the council feels like that we need to change those, we are putting together a master plan committee, and this is, a, if there's, a sense that the council wants to do this. The master plan committee looks at it and comes back and recommends to the council changes. Then we address those changes then. But now is not the time to 
make those adjustments. The adjustments should be made during, and it's perfect timing, Council Frangillo, for uh, your thoughts to be brought, obviously, to the Master Plan Committee, and they can look at that going forward. But today and now, we need to deal with uh, these two particular streets today, but there are many others that uh, were built on the same uh, under the same guidelines with the, us as a town or planning board telling the contractor how to build that road to our specifications. I believe we have an obligation to accept those streets when they're ready. That's my dog and pony show. And <laughs> I, at this point, Seeing no further discussion, is I'll give one last chance in the council chambers. Is there anyone that would like to speak on this? Seeing none, I will close the public hearing on the street acceptances, Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane. And I will go immediately to uh, out of order and go to legislation for action. And I'll go to uh, Resolution 23-17, order of acceptance of Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane as public ways and related utility and drainage easements. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 23-17, order of acceptance of Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane as public ways and related drainage easements. Whereas the General Court enacted Chapter 163 of the Legislative Acts of 2011, an act providing a simplified procedure for municipal acceptance of subdivision roads in the city known as the Town of Franklin, here and after known as Chapter 163, and whereas Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane are laid out and constructed roads in a residential subdivision shown on the definitive subdivision plan approved by the Town of Franklin Planning Board and recorded at Norfolk County Registry Deeds in Plan Book 351 as Plan Number 302 and subsequently modified on a plan approved by the Town of Franklin Planning Board and recorded at Norfolk County Registry Deeds in Plan Book 379 as Plan Number 263. Whereas the town has fully complied with the requirements of Chapter 163 for municipal acceptance of said roads as public ways, said compliance includes a middle of written certification and plans by the Town of Franklin Planning Board to the Franklin Town Council and the Franklin Town Council's holding of public hearing this date after having given prior written notice thereof to the owner of record and each property abutting the roads as evidence by the abutters list, a true copy of which is attached here to as exhibit A, and notice by newspaper publication. Now, therefore be ordered that the Town Council and Town of Franklin determines that it is in the public's interest to accept Maple Tree Lane and Oak Tree Lane shown in the above referenced definitive subdivision plans and also shown in the street acceptance plan entitled Street Acceptance Plan Prepared by the United Consultants, Incorporated of 850 Franklin Street, Suite 11D, Rentham, Mass 02093, and dated March 28, 2013, to be reported herewith as public ways. In accordance with said doc, uh, determinations, the Franklin Town Council hereby accepts the following roads shown on said street acceptance plan as public ways with the fee ownership, therefore, to vest in the town. Maple Tree Lane for its entire length, Oak Tree Lane for its entire length, and together with ownership in the following easements shown in the above reference street acceptance plan, drainage easements, drainage easement number one, running through the middle of lot 10 and running along the rear of lots 8A, 9A, and 10, <coughs> drainage easement number two, 
20 foot wide drainage easement running along the right side of lot A, lot 16, running across the rear of lots A, 13A, 14, 15, and 16, and running through the middle of lot 15. Uh, drainage easement number three, 20 foot wide drainage easement running along the left side of lot B and the rear of lots B and C. The Franklin Town Council directs that a true copy of this order of acceptance together with the original above reference street acceptance plan be recorded at the Norfolk County Registry of Deeds within 30 days and in accordance with the provisions of Chapter 163. This resolution should become effective according to the plans to the according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 23-17. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, David. Straightforward. Nope. Uh, any discussion from the council? Any further discussion? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-17, a two-thirds majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Okay, moving on. Uh, well, actually, we didn't have any license transactions or presentations or discussions, so we are in legislation for action. We'll move to resolution 23-18, FY23 Capital Improvement Plan. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 23-18, uh, Capital Fiscal Year 23 appropriation, total amount requested, free cash. $1,928,487, water retained earnings $1,237,750, and sewer retained earnings $935,000. The purpose? To appropriate funds for the 2023 Capital Improvement Plan. Uh, I'm going to give you a list of departments, descriptions, the category, the amount, and the total that's associated with that. Uh, schools, uh, K through grade five, English language curriculum material, uh, $325,000. Schools and facilities, Remington, Jefferson, and Cal Sullivan Security. Uh, equipment, $80,000. School and technology, replace teachers' laptops, technology, $75,000. Uh, total for schools, $480,000. Facilities, Davis there, clean out and market appraisal, uh, $50,000. Senior center van uh, vehicles, $89,000. For total for facilities, $139,000. Technology, uh, UPS replacements at the municipal building, equipment $15,000, police station Wi-Fi replacement technology $5,500 for a total of $20,500 for technology, um, town administration and building committee, seals and weights and measures equipment $50,000, Schmitz Farm home demolition, uh, part of infrastructure $80,000 for a total of $120,000 for town admin and building committee, fire, uh, four combustible gas meters, Equipment, $26,124,000. Portable radios equipment, $161,725. Gumarn Hall ALS simulator equipment, $52,683. Um, EMS command vehicles, uh, under vehicles, $67,517. Two Hal Martro uh, mini cutters, equipment, $7,900. I want one of those. <clears throat> Structural firefighter clothing equipment, $63,250 for a total for fire. 379,199. Police department. <clears throat> Police vehicles. Under vehicles, $338,349. Electronic control weapons, in other words, tasers, 
equipment, 14,603. Uh, protective body armor, equipment, 16,896. Uh, message, speed enforcement tra uh, trailer, equipment, 21,250. Technology investments, under technology, $8,690. For total for the police, $399,788. Public works, vehicles and equipment, vehicles, $390,000. Uh, total free cash appropriation of $1,928,487. Uh, water and Enterprise Fund, well, number seven. Uh, PFAS infrastructure, $645,500. Vehicle and equipment under vehicle, $75,000. Fisher Street, uh, WTP upgrade feasibility study under infrastructure, $467,250. Meter replacements under equipment, $50,000. Water Enterprise Fund, $1,237,750. Sewer Enterprise Fund, I'm sorry, total water retained earnings appropriation, $1,237,750. Sewer Enterprise Fund, sewer injector station equipment replacement under equipment, $125,000. Phase 4V1. Uh, sewer rehabilitation construction, which is part two of the equipment, $500,000. Equipment of vehicles, equipment, $110,000. Inflow and infiltration, in other words, INI investments, equipment, $200,000. For total sewer enterprise, uh, $935,000. Total sewer and retained earnings appropriation, $935,000. <clears> Finance committee action meeting on February 7th of 2023 was a unanimous vote for the amount recommended of $4 million. $101,237. Uh, this is a motion. Be it moved and voted by the town council that the sum of $1,928,487 be appropriated from free cash, $1,237,750 be appropriated from the water retained earnings, and $935,000 be appropriated from the sewer retained earnings to be expended at the discretion of the town administrator for fiscal year 2023 capital improvement plan as outlined above, including any residual funds remaining in these line items. So resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 23-18. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie? Mr. Chairman, I think uh, Councilor Jones just outlined it. I'm not sure how much more there is to say <laughs> and the exact numbers of the exact recommendations of the first resolution. I'll just mention in a moment, 23-19 uh, um, are the appropriations to the stabilization accounts, which is also part of the capital plan, but legally we have to have a separate resolution. And then the third one, 23-20, uh, we can discuss more in a minute. Um, it was a bit of a donut hole of, of leftover money that we have to appropriate from retained earnings due to the ARPA funds. So in other words, instead of paying 1.47 million, for the water main, we can pay 44000 I think that's a better deal. But um, it was some accounting when the money came in from the county, so we have to pick up that balance. So okay. uh, that was also part of the capital plan, but obviously those are three separate resolutions that have to be approved. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, I'll call on Councilor DeLarco who is the Vice Chair of the Capital Committee. Yeah, Debbie stayed home. She gets me for the last 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> So, she's watching. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She'll call me tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Consul Pellegrini is homesick, so uh, we wish her all the best. But she did leave me some notes. So, 
Um, the Capital Subcommittee held two meetings of about an hour and a half apiece. All departments asking for the money attended all the meetings and uh, Council Polegary was at the helm. The recommendation is for about $3.5 to go to schools, police, fire, DPW, technology, all vehicles to move forward uh, to make our town better. The committee moved all recommendations forward to the council to, to our improvement tonight. Uh, I want to also hi highlight that we are not actually spending all of the money. This is not just spend, spend, spend. She wrote all three of those words. <laughs> <laughs> the committee also unanimously endorsed a deposit of one million into our rainy day fund account. Uh, and Council Pelegri would also like to uh, thank the fellow councilors, Council Cormier Ledger, Council Channel, and Council myself for all our work on the subcommittee. Thank you, Councilor DeLarco. Okay, further discussion. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, for you to the town administrator, would there eventually be requests specific to capital improvements in regards to stormwater? In the, near, in the future, eventually. Mr. Chairman, uh, for the uh, yes, the, this year though, um, there was one uh, twenty percent of one vehicle that was appropriated for capital, but it will be in the operating budget because we actually don't have a budget yet for stormwater. Okay. So once the stormwater utility gets going, just like water and sewer and trash and refuse. Presumably, at some point, uh, the staff and I will build in a capital program for those needs based on those permit requirements in the future. But I, I expect it on the same cycle as water and sewer. Um, Mr. Chairman, just one, one point. In regards to that, the reason I bring that up is because that will at least give us an opportunity to reflect the expense associated with the stormwater fees and where they're eventually going to be spent. Exactly. That's just kind of my goal for that. Yep. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, <clears throat> Councillor Jones. Councillor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, just wanted to uh, share a couple of comments that I made in our capital meetings. It was great to be once again part of that group, and congratulations to our town administrator and to all department heads for balancing another great budget and allowing us to have a surplus to even discuss for capital, because that truly shows great uh, fiscal management. But some of the things that we debated, which we're not here to stop any department from getting what they need to do their job, our schools, our police, our fire, but truly some of these things, in, in my opinion, and I think the opinion of some others, is they're not really capital expenses. They're really operational expenses that we should be looking at in the future moving into operating. School curriculum, for example, laptops which teachers need to do their jobs, police and fire protective equipment, they need to do their jobs, body armor, they need to do their jobs, tasers, they need to do their jobs. Cars and DPW vehicles and special requests, they're large capital expenses. Those absolutely make sense to come before us in a capital <coughs> request like this. But things that people need to do their day-to-day -day jobs in my opinion, should not be coming to us in capital. I'm certainly not going to stop them from going forward and in any way to tell those departments they can't have what they need. But I'd like to think that capital requests going forward would start to tackle 
maybe the $140 million project list that you've put before us that the town needs to somehow find the money for infrastructure, roads, <coughs> pipes, things that really are sort of special when we're blessed with this kind of surplus. So I think tonight we have no choice because I kept hearing this is how we've always done things and we've, you know, these departments said no, they have to ask for this money at this time. So I don't want to stop them from getting what they need. But going forward, I would like us to at least try to take some of these costs into account for, for operating. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Cohen-Lander. <coughs> Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I, I want to commend uh, everyone who, who put this together. This is a lot of work, and um, I think it's a great job of, of um, prioritizing. Uh, the one uh, note that I had, well, just because it was mentioned, I'll again highlight the 140 million is the, is the number of uh, infrastructure expenses that we haven't yet paid that we're going to need to pay, and we're continuing to add on to that um, and through items like we just did. Uh, but the one thing that I had to, to talk about uh, on this is, is the open space stabilization. And this came up last year, and, and I just want to make sure that we're all marking it um, and, and reminding ourselves that we're choosing not to put money into the open space stabilization fund. Uh, and the, the reasoning here is that because we've adopted the community preservation, uh, that we can, that now we have money to do things like that, and so we don't need to add to our open space. When the residents of Franklin went out and agreed to contribute more of their money to community preservation fund, they did so thinking that they wanted to uh, expend, spend more on open space conservation, uh, recreation, affordable housing, and, and historic preservation, not just shift that money uh, elsewhere. And so I just want to you know, note that when opportunities come up to purchase open space, I hope that we don't um, you know, look at the open space stabilization fund and say, oh, we don't have enough money. Because we all agreed that we wanted to spend more to that. Um, and if we're not doing so now, when the time comes for us to make those expenditures, I hope that we choose to do so. Thank you, Councillor Frondillo. And I, and I don't think any, any other councillor disagrees with you, but by the same token, just to remind everybody, we bought 200 acres of open space in the last year. And that's something unheard of uh, by any community. Uh, Jamie, uh, just because, uh, just to Councilor Cormier Ledger's point uh, and for the audience, just give a brief uh, description as to why we do it that way, why we do it this way. Sure, through Mr. Chairman. So ultimately, ultimately the tax, I've said this a million times on a million issues, um, the town generates its operating budget revenue through the tax levy. And we are limited under law to prop two and a half, two and a half percent. So if you go back to last year's tax levy, you can multiply it by 2.5% and get this year's tax levy, mm -hmm. which will be in the aura of probably about 3.4 million. So you know when you're thinking about 2.5% cost of living adjustments for personnel, thinking about health insurance coming in at 5%, 5.2 to be specific, and we'll go through this at the Joint Budget Subcommittee meeting. Um, uh, you know, there's just extremely limited abilities based on the competing demands of the operational budget for particularly, obviously, the larger departments, schools, uh, DPW facilities, and so forth, 
Um, you'll see, for example, next fiscal year in the budget, uh, a $350,000 increase just to electricity. Okay, so when you're talking 3.4 million in new revenue, and you start chipping away at healthcare, personnel costs, staff, you know, you really not, the town's really not at that level of an advantage to be able to invest um, all of the capital requests that are here uh, in the operating budget. I think at the capital meeting, I can't remember specifically, but I think I aggregated up the requests in this capital plan that would be kind of considered to Councilor Cormier Ledger's point, which is completely valid, which would be ongoing things. Tasers, you know, armored gear for the firefighters. Those are on rotational replacements. Those are strategic things we do so that we don't get one huge lump sum of money in one year that we need. We phase it over time and replace those things. Um, I think it was in the order of about a million dollars. So when you think of your new revenue as 3.4 million, and you take a million of that and put it in with all the personnel costs, you'll see it in the budget. Uh, on March 8th, you'll see mm -hmm. the budget deficit. So I have in my budget model for right now, put in there some of these costs that folks are talking about, and you'll see how much bigger the deficit, uh, budget deficit becomes. And then you work backwards and say, geez, I, I'm just projecting as to how Jeff went through this too, wow, Two and a half percent, you know, COLA for the staff. Well, that's eighty percent of your budget right there. I mean, that that's a huge amount of money. Health, and, you just work it backwards, and all of a sudden you realize that really the system is. Um, and I appreciate you very much for mentioning this, uh, Council Premier Ledger. These guys out here do work really hard to manage their budgets. We are pretty tight at times. We are very judicious, and a lot of that they know comes back to uh, to invest in those departments um, later on. Um, and so generally that is the way it's generally been. I think mostly it's worked out well. Um, we have tried to embed in the past and we will continue to do that this year, um, looking at smaller amounts of capital and I think of the electronic cases and the equipment for the firefighters and police is probably low hanging fruit. Um, you know, but with all the other operational costs that are out there and competing demands, you know, make no mistake, it's, it's a challenging situation to be in. Um, so I hope that answers at least or gives folks a little bit of context into how that kind of works. Thank you, and it does. And I don't think anybody disagrees with they should be in the regular budget. No right. question, operating budget. But for a multitude of reasons, uh, it sometimes is very difficult. But it's a discussion that we will have when we uh, get into a joint budget subcommittee meetings. Is there any other, any further discussion? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-19. A majority vote's required. I'm sorry, 18, I apologize. 23-18, uh, the FY23 capital improvement plan. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-19, free cash to stabilization accounts transfers. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <clears throat> this is resolution 23-19, appropriation of free cash to stabilization account uh, transfers. Total amount requested, $1,682,000. The purpose is to continue funding the stabilization funds per town policy 
Uh, I'm going to read the transfer to the reason for the source and the total amount. Field stabilization uh, replace uh, reason is to replace in 2027 from free cash $150,000 fire truck stabilization from free cash $100,000. But budget stabilization free cash $1 million. OPEB trust fund. Uh, continued funding at 10% of free cash, that's from free cash, of $432,000. Uh, total free cash appropriation, $1,682,000. The Finance Committee on their uh, February 7th, 2023 meeting unanimous, unanimously voted to recommend the amount of $1,682,000. Motion be moved and, by, and voted by the Town Council that the sum of $1,682,000 be transferred from free cash to the field, budget, fire truck, and OPEP trust stabilization accounts as outlined above. So resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Oval Charter. Move resolution 23-19. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Dear Mr. Chairman, these investments that are made are, are very big reasons as to why the town became a AAA bond rating. Um, and so saving some money, uh, some piggy banks, or in the case of the rainy day fund, is smart uh, fiscal policy, and uh, appreciate um, the subcommittee support as well as the finance committee support on these uh, on these deposits. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-19. Again, a majority vote required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-20, water retained earnings transfer to water main capital project, R19-05. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 23-20, appropriation for the water retained earnings transfer to water main capital project, R19-05. Total amount requested, $44,225.28. The purpose is to fund a budgetary deficit in the water main capital project R19-05. Uh, this is a transfer from the water main project R1905. The reasons is a budget deficit. Source, ret uh, water retained earnings, $44,225.28. Motion, be moved and voted by the town council at the sum of four, four, uh, $44,225. And 28 cents be transferred from the water retained earnings to the water main capital project R19 05. Resolution should become effective according to the provisions of the town of Franklin Oval Charter. Move resolution 23 20. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion, Jamie. Through you, Mr. Chairman. I'd like to lower number. I'm going to do the extremely <laughs> the best I can. So, essentially, in short, what happened is the ARPA rules do not allow for like a past bill. So some of the design bills came in for the water mains until wait, and the ARPA money that was approved by the county came in later. So you can't start accruing those bills until the money gets wired to you or gets approved by the county, whatever the date was in the, in the rule. So therefore the difference out of the 1.47 million is 44,000 worth of bills that were accrued for that water main project on Country Club before we got the money, and so it, at the end of the day, you have to pay it <laughs> I hope that's the... It's a short version. You can have the finance people give you the half hour version if you like, but I figured... <laughs> Thank you, Jamie. Discussion, council. 
Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-20. Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Zoning bylaw amendment 23-889, a zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town Code at Chapter 185, Attachment 7, Part 6, Use Regulation Schedule. Residential uses referral to the Planning Board. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, this is only bylaw amendment 2389, formerly known as 22-889. Uh, is zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin uh, Town Code at Chapter 185, Attachment 7, Part 6, Use Regulation Schedule Residential Use. Be enacted by the Franklin Town Council that Chapter 185 of the Code of the Town of Franklin is hereby amended uh, by uh, the following additions and or deletions to subsection 185, Attachment 7, Part 6, uh, use regulation schedule residential uses, uh, multifamily or apartments. There's an attached list of those changes. Just to reflect uh, a couple of quick changes, this is on uh, 185 attachment seven, use regulation schedule. Note number one, uh, for exception of, uh, per exception of planning board for residential uh, six district uh, C, subsection 18538 is stricken. It now says per subsection 18538 and <coughs> seven district per subsection 185 50. Uh, note number three has changed and states uh, no more than one dwelling unit for every 2,250 square feet of lot area may be permitted. Additional dwelling units may be allowed by special permit from the planning board. And note number four has been stricken and a new note has been added for. <clears throat> All multifamily developments with 10 or more housing units are required to address the affordable housing requirements in subsection 185-51. All else has remained the same, sir. This following. The foregoing zoning bylaw amendment shall take effect in accordance with the Franklin Home Charter and the Massachusetts General Law. Move zoning bylaw 23-889 to the planning board. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So the next two resolutions, uh, items E and F, just to reiterate to everybody, um, uh, are referrals to the planning board in which the planning board will then have public hearings on both of these zoning uh, proposals. And then uh, the planning board will send back to us a recommendation that is not binding, okay? But their input, of course, is extremely valuable. Uh, in addition to the fact that two members on the EDC Plus were from the planning board, we did it that way for a reason. Um, and then the council will have two readings, right? So they will have their own public hearing and two readings. Um, you know, Mr. Chairman, I, I would just make a couple quick and brief comments. Brian's here, obviously, to discuss the details with folks. Uh, been here over seven plus years, uh, and I honestly can't recall uh, a more vigorous and better public debate than what we saw on these two bylaws. Uh, zoning is probably the most difficult thing uh, we all do. It's boring, it can be confusing, no one understands what's going on, um, but it's one of the things that relates to quality of life uh, at a very high level. Um, uh, I know some of us find it exhilarating. Uh, I do love it. Uh, I could talk about it all day. But, 
Um, but in essence, um, number one, I do really hope that the council uh, moves both of these along um, to the planning board at a minimum for the respect of the public hearing process. But also, um, if folks watch the meetings, they would truly get a depiction of how the sausage is made. And people shouldn't be scared of that. There were amendments made that didn't get seconded. There were amendments that failed over and over and over. There were different ideas thrown out on the table over multiple meetings. And the germane issue is, is four counselors, two planning board members, and one ZBA member came to a unanimous compromise. In other words, this is a glass half full proposal. Everyone's happy and everyone's miserable. That's a good thing. That's good public policy generally when you get into zoning. Um, so all of us that are involved in this um, come away with taking steps forward. And on such a cumbersome, divisive, divisive and sometimes expensive issue, um, that really means something. And I hope everybody comes away with a positive uh, reading of that. Even if some of these things in here aren't what they would hope to see, aren't what they would like to see, um, or don't think it's the best way forward. This is a huge step forward. Both of these bylaws are in fact intertwined. Um, you can deal with them separately, but the use table and the triggering effects of the use table apply to the inclusionary zoning bylaw. In essence, what this does is for 10 or more units, allows uh, a triggering effect for any development in, in those three zoning districts, downtown commercial, C1, uh, and general residential five, allows that uh, for one out of every 10 units um, uh, shall be affordable. Um, and it also uh, makes it so that instead of special permit, um, now uh, builders can build 18 units by right um, and, uh, and in those three districts. So uh, that's about as, as far as I can go on my summary, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I'm sure the EDC members and Councilor Hamlin and, and Brian can answer any questions and I'm sure they'll have some thoughts as well. Thank you, Jamie. And I'll next go to Councilor Hamlin, who chaired that wonderful committee uh, <laughs> through some difficult meetings, for sure. Uh, uh, but please. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, and thank you, Jamie, for that introduction. I think you probably put most of everything um, that I was going to say together. But uh, it, I don't, it, I'm not too sure if everybody understands understands or followed along with what these these meetings we had um, so these these uh, bylaw amendments come to us through this process it was a 14-month process to get to for people to um, find a consensus and I I don't know if it was difficult I think it was um, it was very interesting we we um, started way far apart and we came together and that was I think that was the beauty of it, and um, we um, so we we came to we used the Franklin for All process, the housing production plan, and the MBTA community regulations for these changes, so that we will be um, MBTA community uh, compliant, and we use some of the recommendations to create a three-family um, definition of a of a housing unit. Um, so that's added into this table as well, and um, in the inclusionary zoning piece of it was um, we we went back and forth many times about the, where to start, and I think it will be very interesting to move these forward to the planning board. I think they'll have a, there'll be more people involved and more 
more public hearings, and then we'll come back to us for more public hearings. And so I think eventually, if it's a little different, it's it's okay with me. But we really, we all at the end, we all agreed that we want to push this. We want to put this forward to the town council to go to the planning board because we knew that we came up with the best consensus possible. And um, I could talk all night about it as well because I'm really I get really excited about it now because I've, I've lived this um, crazy zoning life and um, people, their eyes glaze over when they, I start talking about it. But um, I'm very proud of the people on that committee and, and the town staff. I mean, it was a lot of work. We demanded a lot, a lot from our town staff and they came through for us and we should be really proud of what we've done. I don't, I don't think, as Jamie said, it's never been done before. I mean, people kept telling me it will never, we couldn't do it, sure. but we did it. And so um, I hope everyone just says, okay, let's just put it to the planning board. And with that, I'll stop. I can keep going forever. But thank, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Councilor Hammond. Any, any other, any further discussion? Councilor, <laughs> call me a ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. First, I want to thank Councilor Hamblin and all of the fellow counselors and volunteers and staff on the committee. I know how hard you worked to get this in front of us. Um, and I know that it wasn't always easy, and I know that there was uh, quite a bit of ups and downs at some of those meetings. But for the purposes of tonight, for the public, can we just get a definition of what a housing unit is so that just everybody's on the same page? Because I think there's confusion out there in the world about does that mean is that apartments is that condos is that single families is it all of the above um that would just be helpful thank you brian all of the above all the above right, right. Any, anywhere a individual or family lives and they best have certain things in it uh, you know cooking and sanitary things and it, well whatever but that's housing unit is single family duplex apartment Anything of that nature, wrong. So, great. Thank you. Right. Thank you, Councillor Coney, alleged. Councillor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chandler. Okay, I have a couple questions, but I'm not, because these are kind of all together, these two, so I'm just going to ask them. Um, since we, I have to vote to move this to the planning board, that 10%, is that just downtown? Or, or is it all, or are, we, or are they going to do a thing that's everywhere? Okay, any, uh, the inclusionary zoning bylaw relates to any multifamily uh, development, new ones, but not the old ones, but the new ones coming forward um, that uh, are of 10 units or more. Okay, now we have the other one, the other bylaw with, with the uh, regulations here state that multifamily is allowed by right in three specific zoning districts and it's not allowed any others so it's only those three districts the downtown commercial the commercial one and the general residential five you could in the future decide that you want multifamily housing allowed in other districts and mm -hmm. in that case inclusionary zoning would apply to those districts also Okay. Yeah. Finish up here. So, in these three zones, there could be triple deckers all the way down the road. Is that what you're saying? 
say some of these single family houses on 140. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna sell that, I'm gonna put a three decker in. Okay. Yeah. That could be. Uh, I mean, any number of things could happen. Right now, um, we allow uh, multifamily housing in those three zones already. Right mm -hmm. now, the downtown commercial area is allowed by right and upper floors, not on the street level. We allow it second and third levels. Um, but in the other two districts, if you wanted to have a multifamily development, right now you need to go for a special permit from a planning board. And you, it, and you may or may not get it, depending on what you're proposing and, and everything. But so, because it's very difficult to create housing, um, allowing a certain size development by right um, is is an appropriate thing to do. In the downtown area, within a half a mile of train station, the MBTA. Um, requirements now, the, the 3A, the Section 3A requirements, that, uh, you must have multifamily by right in those areas to be to it, it be in line with that regulation. So, or those, so in other words, um, if we don't do it, a by right zoning, then the town will not be able to apply for certain uh, grants, for instance, uh, and we do very well as a rule with those those grant programs. Okay. So I, I was just concerned about like a bunch of three, like look like East Boston down, you know, down the road there. And I'll be honest with you, Brian. I lived in a triple decker. Yeah. I, you know, they think this is going to save the housing. You wouldn't want to live in one. I've lived with it before, when you're raising a family and you have a and you're in one of those, I don't think, I think you'd rather be in your house. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any doubt that most people would rather have their own single family unit. Uh, but there are plenty of people out there that uh, can't afford a single family home right now and have to have something else. Um, and I, I also want to note that a um, multifamily development can be a condominium complex where they have townhouses. That's right. right. So there's a lot of different ways to put a multifamily development in. Okay. So um, allow it, you, you, with this regulation, if you had an acre of land, you could put in 18 or 19 um, apartments on one acre of land if, by, by right, or you could put in a few, a little bit less amount of townhouses, with a, you know, or something like that. Um, so it's really up to the, the developer to decide what they're looking for. They come to the planning board, they say, this is what we were looking for. If it, everything is allowed by right, then they should be able to get through the process fairly quickly, um, addressing mostly um, the, because it is a commercial, once it gets beyond two family, it is commercial use. It, they need to go through a design review process. And the site plan would be at least looking at safety and, and Circulation on site and off site, things of that nature. So it's not like that when it says buy right, they just automatically get anything they want. They need to do, do it the right appropriate way. All right, that was great. And then to finish up on the other one, um, the 10%. So, like, let me give you an example. Um, Dean Ave, 300 apartments. Uh, the Noah's Ark over there, 250. No, no, um, 
affordable units in any of those. So people can still do those outside of this area? Both of those um, properties require, they were in, uh, one is in general residential five. Um, and the other one in the next to Fico's. And the other one's in the C2 zone. Variances from the CBA were required to get the use in place. But they didn't have any affordable. They did not have affordable units. So required. So that's right. I'm no, I'm done with that. I'm just okay. trying to get to the point. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm just. We we need the ten. I like it everywhere, <coughs> not just in this little. Understood. Not in the, the triple decker row that's kind of. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chairman. Jamie, quickly. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So, to Councilor Chairman's question, just to make sure we're clear, this zoning proposal would have had 117 D would have had the 10% requirement if this were in place. That's what I So when you guys, I think, I so 275 apartments or whatever it is, condos over there, would have been 10% of those, so you would have gotten 28 or so units. And, but, and key here, and I know you know this, which is why I'm asking to talk on it, those would have been deeded affordable units. Permanently affordable. Permanent. Deeded. Over here, just so that public at home, because the zoning districts are very, very close, this over here would not have been susceptible to bylaw because it's in commercial too. Okay. Okay. So I think the other one down the street would have been right on the line and would have triggered the 10%. Yeah. The Taj Estates at 32 units, they ended up doing four units anyway, affordable as part of the, the deliberation. So that would have come out basically a wash on that one. But I just want to make sure you were clear on that constitution. Some of those would have had them and some of them would not. Okay, now, now, the now, now I feel good about moving this on. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Sheridan. I, I'm just asking you to disagree a little bit. I've got to say Councilor Political. I like the three deckers. I always love three deckers. I'm a project rat. And, uh, and you know, a lot of I'm a project rat. A lot of working families through the years, they uh, bought a three-decker. They lived in the center floor, and they went to the other two, and that's how they paid the mortgage. Yeah. And it's been credited for helping the city of Boston keep a middle class for a long time, where other cities have built tenements. The three-deckers kept a lot of working families in. One bathroom, they Yeah. Uh, well, forget to bathroom. Okay, let's keep going through the chair. You all set? Yeah. Councilor Delaco. Thank you. Uh, unfortunately, the city of Boston is getting out of control with rent. I mean, that's what about Forge Park? Are we going to have to change the zoning up there too? To, 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 to. The, uh, the I know we're doing it at Dean Avenue. Section 3A, it, it, gives, it gives the town um, the two stations. We only have to have up to 50 acres, 50 acres or more of this type of zoning in place. The whole town? The whole town. Okay, that answered my question. Thank you, Councillor DeLarco. Councillor Frangelo. I just say a, a quick point, just that sort of echoing, you know, how this was a, a product of, of compromise. Uh, there's many places where I think we fall short of um, some of our needs, um, but, but we've worked through this for a long time, and I'm really proud uh, of the product. It's going to help us 
um, address so many uh, of our needs. As we talk about uh, the growing uh, expense sheet, mm -hmm. our only way of making up ground on that is A, as, we, as I alluded to earlier, not further adding to our expenses faster than uh, we can pay for them, and B, getting uh, new revenue without adding to our expenses. And that allows, uh, that, that involves allowing um, our, our current places to breathe and grow in a natural uh, state. And that's why I'm excited about a lot of this, as well as making sure that as we grow, um, we're, we have affordable units that allow um, yeah, everyone to, to afford to live here in Franklin. I will say, this is only the first of it, right? Like uh, a lot of, of what we want to do and a lot of the goals are still uh, restrained by other pieces of our zoning code. Um, so uh, yeah, this, this is the first product and it was a, a massive product uh, of compromise and I'm so glad we're here and I'm excited to move forward. There will be other steps and I hope that you're equally excited about those. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. As a member of the EDC, EDC Plus, I want to thank everyone, Mel, for all the hard work that she's put into the chair and position for that. God bless you for putting up with all of us. Um, but in all due respect to my fellow counselors in regards to what you have in front of you tonight, um, as it's been mentioned, this is going to be moved forward, forward, hopefully moved forward, to the planning board. And there's going to be a lot of discussions, um, a lot of discussion, I'm sure, uh, from the council that we will have an opportunity to hear once it makes it back to us. I know there's a lot of questions right now, um, but let's give the plan board an opportunity to, 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 to kind of fester over it on their end and send it back to us for the discussion at that point. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I am in support of this. Obviously, this was, a, this was quite a compliment. Thank you, Councilor Jones. I, it appears like we might have somebody that would like to speak to it in the audience. Just have a question for clarification. Uh, please, just name and address, please. Brad Steinke, 12 Lane Street Lane. Um, you were mentioning three-story uh, buildings where the you know, owner would live on the first floor and they would rent the second floors. Those bring additional families into the into the town, but they're not going to be contributing to the tax base, right? So their children go to the schools but it's only the owner of the building that's gonna be paying taxes. So how are we going to accommodate that with this increase in affordable housing coming into the town? Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, so go ahead. I would just say that they do, they do uh, pay for the tax base because, um, so we assess the owner of the property and then the owner of the property chooses their rents um, beyond that, right? So they're gonna disperse the cost to everyone that's how we get our revenue, is through assessing each property and allowing uh, the owner uh, to make up the cost as they see fit. But to, by, you know, if uh, one family becomes a two family, that increases the assessment, that's more revenue for us. How they deal with that in terms of rent. It okay, so their, their tax bill will go, tax up. Bill yeah, will go up. up based on, based on if they're renting out the second and third floors. Exactly. Yeah. All right, thank you for the clarification. You're very welcome. Uh, is there any other questions from the council, from the audience? Uh, name and address, please. Steve Sherlock, Clarence Drive. Uh, one of the other things I'd like to reference, at least while the people are away in terms of the planning board, there's four podcasts that members of the committees spent time and effort on with other residents participating. So very quickly, there were four. First one was with uh, Bruce. Uh, I'm sorry. Beth, 
Kobe and Melanie to talk about the initial piece, then Kobe and Melanie again talking about our parking, I believe. Then we met with Joel DeRico to work through, from a developer point of view, some of these issues. And then most recently, which you just got posted this week, uh, also with Brad Chaffee to talk about some of the ownership sides, which hasn't been part of this discussion, will have to be part of the planning board piece, but those four podcasts will provide additional info, additional argumentation, both sides. So it'll help you all, everybody, to understand the work and the compromise that was reached. And there still needs to be discussion, but those are good inputs that I would have everybody consider as this discussion goes forward. They're great assets to have. Thank you. Thank you. Sure thing. Um, that's, that's only if everybody has like five extra hours. <laughs> As opposed to spending time here. But I think one, one of the, one of the um, podcasts was about inclusionary zoning and um, how we, we can't stagnate growth if we put the number too low. And so if we put the number too high, then we'll never get any um, affordable units. So um, so that was one I think was a very interesting, that would be very good for everybody to listen to because it, it um, we, Kobe and I had this discussion and we just, and we talk about how much it costs to actually build. Um, and so it's, so it's very, it's very interesting. I, I'll leave it at that, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Is there any further discussion? Uh, before we before I end the discussion, I would just I'd be remiss if I did not uh, thank all of the councilors to my left uh, who served on this EBC, uh, Councilor Hamblin for chairing it, uh, Greg Rondo and Beth Whirling for the planning board, and uh, Bruce Hunchard from the zoning board of appeals. Uh, I sat through. Uh, quite a few of these uh, sessions, and they have worked so hard over the last 14 months. Uh, and I thought uh, the uh, glass half full was a, it's a, it's really a great definition of where we are and what zoning is all about. Uh, nobody ever walks away 100% happy, uh, but I think uh, what this committee has brought forward tonight is 14 months of hard work with our planning department, uh, Brian Tavener, our town administration, our town attorney. Uh, there's so much work that goes into one of these bylaw amendments that uh, people have no idea. And I just want to thank every one of them for all the time and effort that they put in to bring this forward uh, to the council tonight so that uh, hopefully we can refer it to the planning board. So with that, I would uh, entertain our vote will come on the motion to refer bylaw amendment 23-889 to the planning board. And it's a majority vote that's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carried. Zoning bylaw amendment 23-890, a zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town Code, uh, chapter 185, section 51, referral to the planning board. 
clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is zoning bylaw amendment 22-890, formerly known as 22-890, inclusionary zoning. The zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town Code at Chapter 185, Section 51. Uh, Motion to waive the reading. Second. It's only thank, you, pages thank, thank you very much. <laughs> Motion and second to waive the reading. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. <laughs> Move zoning bylaw amendment 23-89 to the planning board. 890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-890-
as you know, in other areas in town, if you don't hook up to the water lines when we're doing road work, sometimes there's a moratorium. So I put that in the memo that is incorrect. However, we did reach out to all the property owners over the years between Planet Fitness and Kenwood Circle, because that's the only section of area that does not have sewer pipe. Um, and obviously the uh, folks at 160 Grove Street who are here tonight as well um, have uh, put in the proper uh, application and paperwork. So. Uh, Mike's here to answer any questions if there's problem. Thank you, Jamie. Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, I guess I'd go back to a similar question. And this one I, I could visualize, I had a harder time visualizing, but um, do they, they're contributing to, this, this time they're, they're putting money aside. How much is that going to cover the expenses? And why would we, if it doesn't cover it, why why would it still make sense for us? Mike, just name it. Mike Maglio, Town Engineer. So the applicant will be paying for the total cost to construct the sewer extension themselves. They're contributing, making an additional contribute uh, contributions to the town for the uh, to upgrade downstream pump station and another ten thousand dollars for the water conservation fund, which we'll use for the uh, the other town residents that they can uh, rebate program. So they're, they're paying for the full construction themselves, plus they're um, adding additional benefit there for the town also. Yeah. Yeah, paying, paying for the construction, I, I, that's true with all of these, right? Any yeah. new uh, development, right? The, the fear is that eventually we'll need to maintain it. We'll need to pay for the replacement. If we haven't set aside enough money, then we're just adding more liabilities. Having Hearing that they're you know willing to contribute to other things helps. If I may, Mr. Chairman, sure. um, in addition to that, they, they will be build their typical uh, sewage usage fees also, so they can, they'll be paying for fees to use the sewage like everybody else also. Right. Oh, that's helpful. Thank you. Which pays for the costs. The ongoing, some yeah. of the costs. I'm guessing it doesn't cover it. No, yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Councilor Chandler. You want to say, Councilor? Yeah. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman, to uh, maybe Mr. Maglio. So this was originally approved with a septic, like they were all set. So, okay. Uh, yes, to the chair. So the, the original planning board site plan had a septic system on it. Okay, so this is not a priority thing. It's, they're not in danger of anything failing by them not doing this, right? I, once um, after the project was approved during construction, they came to us with a request to extend the sewer. So we went through the process. The applicants do us from uh, representatives here. You'd want to hear something directly from them. Okay, so, and I also read that this has to be done by June 23rd. So the requirement was for June 30th. We we have a current uh, project under design to pave Grove Street. We're um, in the process that we did oh. the intersection at Washington Grove. Um, right. The traffic's mm -hmm. gonna, it's gonna be coming in soon. We're going to be extending, uh, repaving that section of Grove Street also this summer, uh, going to next year. So. When they came to us, we just want to make sure if, it's, if it is going to get approved that it's done by that time so it doesn't affect our project. Um, this is the project the town received that uh, $2 million grant from MassWorks uh, two years ago. Right. Yeah, no, I don't want to see this hold that up. That's correct. <clears throat> so, so that you, in your opinion, they'll be able to get this out to bid, get it done, there'll be no issue. From my discussions with them, they're going to have their site contractor who we've worked with in town. They're a licensed drain layer town, and they're um, apparently they're putting all the pieces together to have it ready to go first thing in the spring. And it should go pretty quick as far as the construction goes. Okay, I just 
Yeah, for clarification, it won't be something that the applicant will need to bid. They can just hire their own contractor because it's, it's a private, it's not private a construction. It's not so we're not constructing it. The, the applicant will be constructing it through a deep cut Okay, but again, it's not, they could do this update and it, would, it wouldn't affect us. It wouldn't affect the town necessarily. I don't know the conditions on the site as far as the septic goes. It's right. more of a board of health issue. So. Because it seems like forever, we, you, know, you know, people can't connect to the sewer. It's all filled. It's all, that's what I'm getting at. I don't understand. You seem very, we seem very accommodating here. I mean, I don't know, is it the $40,000? What, what, why are we so accommodating with this? When other people have been turned down? I, I would, I, as far as people being turned down, I think it's a sort of a project by project case. I, I think in this instance, um, the the logistics of actually extending the sewer it, it works. This is you know they, they the, the grades are there. We can extend the gravity sewer. Um, it's not you know they'll have a private um, force. They'll have a uh, pump, uh, private force main on their property to pump out to the street. But on the street, the town sewer will be gravity sewer. In some locations, it's not a, um, that's not a possibility. Yeah. Um, there's capacity issues. Not really an issue around there. Just identify yourself, please. Uh, Bruce Kenner, IG, uh, the director. Mr. Chairman, one, one point I think we're missing on this. Brian, a lot of times they come up with a residential and we really try to help them out. Yeah. This is also the other thing we try to do is economic development. Um, besides, it's for future use. They're looking to do it, but they're also going to go buy a couple other properties that might want to tie into the future. So it, it, it's it's about business development. It's kind of, and it's the infrastructure thing, they're, paying for the whole thing and, and with sewer also they own all the way to it ties into the town so it's not like the water lines that are in the road I mean they own it right up to that point so um, that's another way we looked at it when we talked about the size of the funds all right I understand now these other new businesses will just tear up a brand new road no we don't you're want saying to you're going to in they're, yeah, they're, they're tying into this system that's already, already there, and it's, gonna, and it's also going to benefit the other residents. This is actually... Huh? We're going to leave stubs. Yeah, we're going to leave stubs for them if they want to go in the future. This is actually a good one for the town, okay. per se. You know, I mean, you hate... You know, we're, they're always good what we do, you know, tying in residents, but this isn't really an economic burden, per se. This is, I, I think, in my opinion, beneficial to the town a lot. Okay, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Uh, any any further discussion? I will go to one. Uh, any any other councilors? Uh, did you want to uh, no speak? comment? You want to say something? Say about the safety. Huh? You want to say about the safety? Oh. Yes. Just uh, identify yourself, please. Stephen Boswich uh, here uh, representing Land Planning on behalf of the property owner. One additional note is this is also uh, the property that is in the Water Resource Protection Overlay District. So mm -hmm. in an environmental side, it actually is better for us to tie into the sewer because of the limitations of that zone and the protections for that mm -hmm. overlay. Um, thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else? Seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 23 893 
to a second reading. Again, a majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. No. Opposed? No. One no. Motion carries. Resolution 23-21, my favorite. <laughs> Cable funds in support of peg service and programming per Mass General Law, Chapter 44, subsection 53, F3, and Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion and second to waive the reading. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Move resolution 23-21. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. I waive the town administrator's comments. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Seeing no further discussion, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-21. Majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Town Administrator's Report, Jamie. Uh, through you, Mr. Chairman, through you to the Council. So, uh, quick update. Um, tomorrow, obviously, the Senior Center is still closed, so the office hours we hold, uh, unfortunately, we won't be able to hold them tomorrow. Uh, and just a quick update on that. Um, uh, our focus is trying to work as fast and swiftly as possible to reopen uh, the cafe and the uh, multi-purpose room. Um, there was only one small section of sheetrock that had to be uh, cut out uh, right underneath the uh, serving area in the cafe. Uh, we were that close to not having that problem, but because there's a big hole, which was already been cut out last week, we thought it would reopen. The problem is we can't find anybody to put the sheetrock to fill in the hole, uh, and I know they're working on that this week. If anybody um, were to peek through some of the windows, you could also see um, that the walls outside in the lobby have been stripped out. Um, and so the crews have been down there uh, pretty much around the clock over the last uh, week. Um, I wish I had an update tonight uh, exactly when we'd be able to reopen, um, but uh, I'll probably announce that Friday. Why are we waiting till the end of each week? Because we continue to hold out hope every day that more crews come and whoever needs to come is gonna fix what it needs to fix. I can assure everybody the uh, first area that was cut out was in the cafe uh, and the first area that will be reinstalled is in the cafe. And what will likely happen is once the cafe and the multi-purpose room are open, um, they will be able to not only uh, serve meals obviously and open the cafe, but there'll likely be some afternoon programs uh, as well. I do wanna give uh, a huge thanks to the uh, amazing library uh, staff who have uh, taken in other programs over there. Um, it's not as if everybody has nothing to do. Um, there's been a lot of other uh, folks who have found other places to play cribbage and games and marjan and all sorts of other stuff. So uh, it's not as if people are completely isolated. So we'll put out another uh, announcement out at the end of this week, Thursday or Friday. Let people know about next week. Um, and we'll just keep continue to get out the information as quick as possible when we can get people in. I do want to caution uh, really quickly. Um, you know, whatever, whenever we are able to reopen, as you know as well as anybody, Mr. Chairman, um, the long-term sustainability fix of properly insulating the upstairs and in the soffit in some of the areas that have had the problems with cool, cool air coming in, um, some of those improvements, uh, you know, may take some time. We're not really clear on that calendar yet. Uh, we did meet with the insurance adjuster a couple times over the last week. Um, and the good news is, is, is obviously our insurance will be covering 
uh, the damages, including including the furniture, including the couches. Um, so one thing maybe to look forward to at some point is that there will be some new couches and furniture in the lobby. <laughs> so for anybody out there watching uh, that visits the senior center often, um, I know the staff is excited to pick out some new furniture, but the insurance will be covering all that as well. So uh, there is some good news out of all that. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Jamie. And just one point to add: uh, the areas, the soffit areas that uh, the problem exists in, uh, the fix for that, uh, we've had an uh, HVAC engineer in to look at it and. Uh, tell us what we actually have to do to fix this so that it does not happen again. Uh, we're very hopeful and feel very confident that the insurance is going to cover that fix as well. Because it only benefits them. I was going to say, it should. <laughs> yeah. Because it only benefits them, for sure. Okay, subcommittee reports. Uh, Capital? Uh, well, we, we just did it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, thank you, Councilor Delarco. EDC, just an update, I think. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, we, our next meeting will be next Wednesday. Um, it's going to be sort of a public education forum on 40, Chapter 40 Bs, um, what's going on in the town, what um, the differences. Hopefully we'll all learn the differences between the different 40 Bs and what the town can and can't do and what's happening. Um, I, I feel like we all need that education. And so we're gonna do that next, next uh, Wednesday, the 22nd at 6 p.m. And then the next, on March 1st, we will be discussing accessory dwelling units. So we're gonna continue on with our um, push to, change, to, to um, massage a lot of these things that we have, um, that we've recommendations from the Franklin for All and from the, um, in the housing production plan. So it will um, be a EDC plus steering committee meeting. So it'll be really fun. <laughs> I hope everybody- We'll take you, uh, we'll take you at your word. <laughs> March 1st, everybody. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Councilor Hammond. Uh, there's no budget subcommittee report. Gotcha, anything? Yeah. Uh, Councilor Fongillo. I'm just saying the Gatry Advisory Board did meet today. Um, we revised our bylaws a little. Um, we got a new website. Um, the big note is that, again, we had three, we were contracting on three operators. We moved down to one. That transition officially happened uh, January 30th. Um, there were a few bumps in the road, but for the most part, um, it's been going well, people are happy, and it'll uh, sort of the full transition will take place over these few months. Thank you very much, Councillor Frangillo, for your input and for serving on that. <laughs> uh, you and I know better than, any, than anybody what I put, to, put, gave to you, I should say. Uh, Councillor Sheridan, future agenda items. Uh, nothing at this time. Councillor Frungillo. Uh, nothing at this time. Councillor Hamlin. Nothing at this time. Councillor Comey Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. To the town administrator, will we be having um, Brutus come and talk about the sidewalk master plan that you, you and I discussed? Like, is that a future agenda item? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It is. It is. 
I'm still waiting on a deadline of when the plan will be in place, because remember, it's pavement management plan, sidewalk management plan, and assets, like parking lots and stuff like that. Um, we've been trying to get the data out of the contractor, but you know we don't have a date of when that will be. Sure as we do, we'll, we'll yeah, get But it. it's definitely on the docket, for sure. Yeah. I've got it on that Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Coley-Alleger. Councilor Chandler. Nothing at this time. Councilor Jones. Sir. Councilor DeLocco. Nothing at this time, sir. Councilor Comments, Councilor Comey Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Another great meeting. Look at everybody, all these smiling faces. Um, I just wanted to remind everyone, if you didn't get the invitation, see the email, see the Facebook posts, uh, tomorrow night, which is February 16th from 6 to 8, at the um, Escape into Fiction, will be the winter uh, gallery reception for the Franklin Art Association. Um, I'm very proud to have two pieces in that show, uh, and I would love it if everybody would come by and have uh, you know, a little toast with us and a little nibble and uh, see the work that your neighbors worked really hard to put forward. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Coney Legend. Councilor Chandler. Three, Mr. Chairman. Yes, it was a good meeting. We'll be out of here in 10 minutes. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, my time to go from West Central to East Central continues to rise. Oh. I don't know if anyone's been noticing that. It's yeah. gotten worse and worse. So we'll see what happens with all this housing. Um, second, lastly, I just want to say I am really glad that we have an elected school board because I'm probably the only person in the world that didn't know that Boston school board is not elected, it's appointed. It's appointed. Yeah. It used to be elected. It used to be, but it's appointed. So I, I couldn't even imagine us doing something like that. So I just want to say I hope we never, it never comes up for uh, any kind of discussion. That's just, my, again, my two cents. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Councilor Sheridan. I just, uh, I forget the date, but I think the Bank of Food Pantry is having a fundraiser. 16. When is it? 16. Thursday night as well. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Sheridan. Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, I had um, those events, gallery, food pantry, other thing uh, this Friday uh, at 67 degrees at 7 o'clock. Black History Bingo, um, put together by the Franklin Freedom Team in collaboration with Midway Marches. Um, Come down, enjoy a few drinks, and have some fun with us. Um, the other thing is the open space and rec plan is going on. The, uh, continue, the, you know, there are uh, hearings every few weeks. There's also an open survey. So if you haven't yet seen the survey, um, go find the, the, the survey link anytime. I believe it's April 16th is the deadline for that. So you have some time, um, but don't don't put it off too long. Uh, fill up that survey that'll help us um, create that master plan. Thanks. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Councilor Hamlin. Oh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I Everybody just said that mentioned the events already. So um, the, the other thing about the open space uh, master plan is that the next hearing or the next group here in Chambers next Thursday will be about Schmidt's Farm. Um, and so if anybody has any cool ideas about that, that would be the time to, to bring that forward. Uh, I just wanted to thank the Capital Budget Committee, Subcommittee, for their work on, on, the, uh, on some of the work that we voted on tonight, and on the town staff for, for helping us with the Franklin for All project. I mean, they really worked really hard for us. 
Um, and so I just want to thank you guys a lot for that. That's it. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamblin. Councilor Jones. <coughs> Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Well, to bring up a meeting that no one's mentioned yet, uh, Dean College is having their Neighborhood Alliance meeting on Tuesday, February 21st at 6 o'clock over at Dean College. Uh, as you and I have discussed several times before, Mr. Chairman, it would be nice if people other than just the, the neighborhood right. came out and actually had further discussions about how, how we can work with Dean collaboratively on many of the issues that exist, not just around Dean, but in town as a whole, um, they're always open to listening to opinions and ideas other than just talking about student parking. I know that's always a topic that comes up that discussion. Uh, hopefully, everyone have an opportunity to attend. Uh, I know, I know they're looking forward to hearing our opinion on things. Uh, everything else has been said. The food pantry is moving. The new food pantry is moving along. Um, it, it's it's remarkable how much work is being being done at the new location. I'm looking forward to that final. Uh, finally being completed and I just had to give a shout out to my son who actually just got his final rank of chief which is the highest rank you can get in the secret Corps. He has an official opinion on March 12th and I Other than that, um, I hope everyone stays safe, enjoy the nice weather. I don't know if we should thank Logan Lloyd for this past week or not, but uh, <laughs> it's been crazy out there folks. Stay safe. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Vice Chair Delacco. I'll thank, I'll thank him for global one. This is my last winter over the mask point, so I'm thanking him every time. But, uh, but um, a couple of things. Uh, Franklin Rod and Gunn's having their breakfast this, this uh, Sunday, 7.30 to 11. Um, we had a recreation committee meeting last Monday. A lot of good things coming down the line with the recreation committee. It looks like uh, we're in the move for more pickleball courts. That's really, really going crazy. And uh, lights down at King Street look like that's coming up. That's I mean we got everything going. Let's hopefully they'll be by the fall of 2024. Jamie, I think we're looking at. <laughs> yeah, trying to get through tomorrow. I, I don't know. Um, I know the design has been stepped out. It's there are some definite changes that still have to happen. Yeah. Did do the ring around uh, the walk path around the periphery. Did that do that? that yeah. Absolutely. Um, and I know everybody's uh, ready for the lights. Um, it's an expensive product. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's a very but it'll be nice to light up that parking lot. It is awful dark up there. It's nice, nice. To be up. It is. It will be good to be up there, but. Outside of that, um, that's it. Uh, just one thing, uh, just so that the people listening uh, know that there is still time to fill out uh, an application or forms for the different committees, uh, the master plan, the Davis there, uh, the police uh, station, uh, and the cultural. Uh, so, those committee uh, appointment or those committee forms are due by March 3rd. March 3rd. So you still have a couple of weeks to do that. So please. Next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With that, I'd enter entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. Non-debatable. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio.
This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.